once again to the church family, seeing as we are a few in number this evening with a, a number of our brothers uh, away, Terry in Ireland and Anthony on the way to Brazil. We're just going to, again going to take a break from our, our study in our series on the life of Joseph. And then just a, an individual study this evening on the importance of Christian zeal. The importance of Christian zeal, whether they're a personal believer's life, whether they're a true believer's life, and also the importance to have, to have a, a guard upon Christian zeal. We must guard Christian zeal. My brother, I'm so thankful when I was saved, my brother Jason was not far away to give me some, some wise words of advice. Uh, not long after, he says, guard your, your zeal. Guard your zeal with everything that you've got. That's the first thing the devil wants to do is take away our love and our zeal for the Lord. And that was, that, I never forgot that. Our text, once again for this evening, is drawn from verses 17 and 18 of Galatians 4. But a particular emphasis upon verse 18. Let's just once again remind ourselves of our sacred text. Verse 17, they zealously affect you. This is the Apostle Paul under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He is speaking of those who zealously affect you in terms of those Judaizers. They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you, that ye might affect them. And verse 18, but it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. And so we see the, the context here to this passage, just very briefly, is that the Apostle Paul in this chapter is really seeking to recover uh, the Galatian believers, the Christians, from the influence of Judaizing teachers who sought to really draw away believers from the true doctrine, the true gospel doctrine of justification by faith alone in Christ. They wanted to draw them away, back into bondage and, and under the law, back into servile fear, a type of Christianity. We must be very, very careful to be on our guard, not to be drawn into the servile fear that's in bondage, fear, where we're not actually going ahead in the gospel, serving the Lord, serving the, the most important thing, living at, at the gospel. And he is really pleading with them not to go back. Now the, the word of God in verse 18, it really, it sets forth two guiding principles in this respect. Two guiding principles which we would do well to obey, really to obey the law concerning Christian zeal and the importance of Christian zeal. The first guiding principle of Christian zeal is this. That it should only be exercised in that which is a good thing. That which is a good thing, biblically speaking. In the gospel, in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, that is the good thing described here. That is the, the gospel, the true gospel. And the second guiding principle of Christian zeal is, is this. That it must be constant. It must be a constant thing. Although we can all put our hands up and say we failed the Lord at times. But the guiding principle is we must guard and make, make sure it's a constant theme. Believers must 
be on guard against any drop or anything that takes us away from a constancy in this respect. And so to begin with, firstly, Christian zeal should only be exercised in that which is a good thing, in the Gospel. Well, why? Why is this? Because there is such a thing as a counterfeit Christian zeal, a counterfeit Christian zeal, which is done in blind ignorance or for the praise of men. And so we must be on guard of that, that it's not done according to knowledge, all the right motives, it's done according to ignorance. Or it's done for the wrong reasons, because we want people to see us. We want the, it's more about the praise of the man than the praise of God. If zeal be true, it will be zeal according to knowledge, as it says in Romans 10, verses 2 and 3, where it reads, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. That's the Apostle Paul again. But not according to knowledge. He knew very well of this, didn't he? Paul, who was Saul, he had a zeal so much. He persecuted believers, but it wasn't according to knowledge. Um, he, he was zealous for God, but not in the right sense. Verse 3, For they be being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. You see, the zeal was misguided, wasn't it? J.C. Ryle says concerning Christian zeal, there never was a grace of which Satan has not made a counterfeit. Those are wise words, aren't they? We see that that zeal and the many graces that God, God gives, well, the Satan can so turn them into counterfeits. The unconverted Jews had a zeal, but it was not according, according to knowledge, not the true knowledge of the gospel. Saul had a zeal as a persecuting, unconverted Pharisee. Manasseh had a zeal when he wickedly made his own children to pass through the fire, didn't he? And to Moloch. And Job's comforters had a, had, a, had a zeal for God when they cruelly started to, um, started to, to pick on him and uh, with self, it was really self-conceited. They started to rub salt in the wounds and try to find out if he had a secret sin that he was trying to hide. And uh, that was not the type, right type of zeal. Peter had a zeal when he drew his sword and cut off the ear, ears wrongly, didn't he? That, that was the wrong type of zeal. The Roman Catholic Church had a zeal when they wickedly persecuted in cold blood. Uh, hundreds of thousands of true, simple Bible believers over the years. We think of the Waldensians and the Albigenskis. And they, in cold blood, completely took out of context the Word of God. True zeal, which is approved of God, is only true when it is, when it's not, when it is, it's not only done according to knowledge, the true knowledge of the Gospel, but it is also with righteous and true motives, heartfelt motives. Christ said himself, did he not, uh, to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 15, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land to make one proselyte. They compass sea and land. They go through great lengths to make one disciple like themselves, a legalist. Uh, a self-righteous Pharisee. They, they go through all these efforts to show, look, we've made a disciple. 
And the Lord says that when he is made, when he is made a disciple, you make him a twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Look at the stern words from the Saviour. It's like you make him even a worse legalist than you are. A, child, a twofold child of hell. Someone that's just pointing people to men. Just to, to, to salvation through man's works. And friends, it's a sad day that we live in. There's not much difference in our day. And, you know, I'll give you some examples of late. You know, we've been, in the last month, we've been in Barstable, Timberton, Benefit. And every time we've been out, we've seen, and we, we do care for their souls, but we've seen many Jehovah's Witnesses out with their stands, and it always says on their stands, um, free Bible lessons. Free Bible lessons. Well, they, they, their zeal is not according to knowledge. And it's not, I'm sad to say, often it's not for the, the right motive. It's for themselves. And because they do not believe in the deity of Christ. They do not believe he is the, 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 the only begotten Son of God. And so they're misleading people. Their desire is not to lead them to to. to to be born again in Christ, their desire is to lead them to the watchtower. And for that authority, not the Bibles, they've got zeal, but it's not according to knowledge. And it's not for the right motive, it's a counterfeit zeal. And we think, and I'm not, I'm not picking on any, any uh, you know, cults or anything like that, because the Reformed world, sad to say, across the Western Reformed world, it's, it's been overcome by a dead orthodoxy. So sad to see. We see this party spirit, which is encompassing the Reformed world. It's not true of all churches. There's still many, many faithful churches, but there is a dead orthodoxy, and there's actually very little love for Christ. It's more about going to conferences, and you know, we we we, we support this missionary in this faraway land, but they can't go as far as the next estate to preach the gospel. <laughs> Have you noticed that amongst all these reformed churches? We, are, we, we have all these big conferences about this little missionary here, but they won't go down the road to preach the gospel on the high streets to a blighted nation. It's a sad day, isn't it, dear friends? The same is happening in our day, even in our denomination, dear friends. We've got to speak the truth about these things. In Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira pretended to give it all up for Christ, didn't they? But the Holy Spirit knew they were more interested in virtue signaling, weren't they? They wanted to be like Barnabas. They saw the great the Barnabas, they saw them all handing over everything they had to have. They gave it all up and they were like, well, look, look at how these people are being praised. Look at what they're doing. Yet they, they pretended to be like them, but they didn't. They were holding it back. They held it back, but they pretended, you see. And the Holy Spirit knew it. They lied against the Holy Spirit. And this type of zeal is a counterfeit one. It is fool's gold. It's reprobate silver. And sadly, many churches today follow suit. They are more interested in how they will be seen. Pastors are, many pastors now, are just speaking to their fellow pastors. They're preaching to their fellow pastors. They're more interested in an intellectual ascent and wowing people instead of actually preaching the true, simple gospel. And God is not like man. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. 
He looks at the heart. What's our true motive here? And, and so, friends, now we, we know something, we endeavour to give something of a false type of Christian zeal, biblically speaking. But what is the right type of Christian zeal, which is always, which is affected always in a good thing, as it says in Galatians 4.18. What's, what's the right type of Christian zeal? Well, the Apostle, in essence, is saying that there was a time when the Galatian believers were zealously affected, affected in a good thing, in the Gospel. There was a time when he was amongst them that they were, their heart was so moved and poured out to, to, because of the Lord's salvation, that the Lord, the Saviour, would come and die for them, and they believed in it by faith. And there, there were those that drew their hearts and actually made them to become cold, and to, made their salvation to, to be more about themselves. And so they were drawn away in the sense, and he's saying, What's, who's beguiled you in this sense? He's, in essence, he's saying, when I was with you, your zeal was according to knowledge of the gospel. It was, it was humble. You were, you were deeply convicted of your sin. It was warranted by Scripture, by the, the full counsel of the Word of God. It was tempered with love and charity. And it came with deep humility as well. And it came with the right motives. This true, genuine zeal is the kind of zeal which God approves of. This is the right type of zeal. This is what zeal is just interested in, in God's honour through His Son. And he's, in essence, He's saying, what has distracted you from that? Who has beguiled you in taking you away from this, this most wonderful endeavour? The Apostle Paul says in Titus 2.14 that Christ gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. A peculiar people, zealous of good works. What other type of works he's referring to here? Gospel works. Gospel works. To live for the Lord. As, as Paul says, to me, to, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. This is, this is the good thing which Galatians 4.18 is describing. Gospel works in Christ to live for Him. Only that which is done for Christ is going to last. Everything else, as Solomon says, vanity of vanities. All these things we build up in our in our lives, you know, riches, uh, houses, reputation. There's going to be no memory of these things. Who knows who are going to, who's going to inherit these things? What is going to become of these things? My status, my career, what, all these things, it's not going to last. But that which is done for Christ, according to knowledge and, and with true motives and sincerity, that is what is going to last. And so that that's therefore is what we should give our hearts and our minds to. 1 Corinthians 15.58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, Always, there it is again, abounding in the work of the Lord. There it is again, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. There's so much, when you look at it, there's so much exhortation to be always abounding in God's work. For us to be constantly reminded of this, 
that we, this is to be our main aim in life, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not in vain. What is in vain? Living for ourselves. Living for man's glory. Living for the things of this world. Those things are, are vanity of vanities. They're not going to last. But our labor in the Lord. As often as sometimes we fall and we feel we, we fail the Lord and we're frail. And we, it all happens to all of us. But if, we, if we, we love the Lord and we genuinely want to seek His glory and His honor, well, that's not in vain in the Lord. If we truly seek, uh, seek to live for the gospel and for the Lord's honor, that's not in vain. And what a wonderful promise! What a wonderful promise we have here to gospel laborers. And not only gospel laborers, but gospel supporters as well. As our brothers prayed, those stones that make up. The body of the temple of Christ, as Christ as the head. What a, a wonderful promise we have here. That, uh, that if we give ourselves heart, mind, and body strength to this wonderful endeavor, that God promises that our labors are not in vain in the Lord. We will see fruit. And yes, it may take time and patience, but the Lord will bless if we, if we walk by faith and not by sight. What says the Lord to those who have embraced the much worldly, comfortable, sleepy, lazy, nominal Christianity which has gripped much of the West? What does the Lord say? He says what he said to the Laodicean church, but did he not? When they forgot about their first love, be zealous therefore and repent. Be zealous therefore and repent. Revelation 3.19 Beloved, I'm sure there has been times where we can all say that we have let the Lord down. I, I can say that. That there has been times where everything just as a Christian came with so many pressures and I, and I backslid and there was a season of that. We can all have times of that, of drawing back. But, but friends, let us, if, if the Lord has been gracious to us, and He has, and He has called us and He has forgiven us and and let us go forward. Let us go forward in, in, in the Lord. Let us, let us pray for this truth, this zealousness of heart and mind. And it, it done, be done according to knowledge and for the right motives. Our text once again says, but it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And so what do we make of this good thing? What does it mean to be truly zealous as a Christian? Well, true conversion creates a burning desire to please God in everything. That's what it does. When we become a new uh, creature, creation in Christ, all things become new. There's increasingly, we want to be used of God. We want to please God. We want to honor the Lord God. Hallowed be thy name. My, I want my life to... to your name to be hallowed and to be made holy through the life that you've given me. Uh, I don't want people to look upon me and think, well, what a wonderful Christian. Or, uh, no, I want your name to be. I want people to praise God. That's what I want. By faith, a true believer seeks to zealously do God's will and to advance His glory in this world in every area of their lives. That's the heart of a true believer. 
The natural man has no such desire for God's glory. The nominal Christian who, whose seed has been choked really by the cares of this world has, has no such desire for God's honour. This world is interested in predominantly one, one thing, this world, and that's man's glory and man's self-interest. That's the one thing, predominantly. And not so for the, the truly zealous believer. A truly zealous believer is preeminently a person of one thing. One thing. And that one thing is to please the Lord God through Christ. That's the, that's the overwhelming theme of their life. Yes, they could be busy in lots of other areas, but that's their main aim in, in life. That that one thing, and you see that with all the great, greatest revivals that have happened, we think of Whitfield. That was the one over, overarching thing: is to please the Lord, the Lord, in my life. Christ said of his followers in Matthew five fourteen, "Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid." That is what we are. If we, if Christ is within us, and we love the Lord, and we've been truly converted, we are these lights in the world—a dark world full of sin. A city that's set on a hill, we cannot be hid. It cannot one day or one week just be switched off. We are lights, we're burning, blazing the gospel. We are like those Levites that would never ever put those lights out, as it, as it were, not for a day. Truly zealous Christians are truly zealous when they take personal growth in holiness sincerely towards Christ, to heart. But such a zeal will make a man think of heart and mind sins to be exceedingly sinful. But it's not just how I appear before other people, it's about the, the things I think about in my heart. It's about, it's about my mind. What am I, what am I thinking about during my, my day-to-day walk? Am I setting my heart upon vanities? Upon things which I know are the opposite of God's Word? Uh, that's what it is to be a zeal, to have very close accounts with the Lord, to live with a clean conscience before the Lord. It's not just also and things I know which are evil and wrong, it's, it's the things which I know are right, which are good, which the Bible tells me that this is the way I should be living. If I know really that there's a person in need and I'm just living for myself, I'm living for my own comforts, but I know that I should be there or I should be helping that person, I should be doing that thing, and my, and my conscience is burning me, burning me, well I know that which is right, but I, I do the opposite anyway. Well this, this again is, is, is what it is to be a zealous Christian, it's not, not to only know how to not do evil, but to, to learn how to do well through Christ, always. And, and, and this of course needs constant dependence upon the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Such zeal will make a man to think of, of heart, mind, sins, to be exceedingly sinful. He or she, by the grace of God, will seek to cut off or pluck out, as it were, anything that seeks to spoil a close communion with the law. Pluck it out, says the law. Cut it off, cut your arm off, says the law. Not literally, but he's saying if there are things in your life, basically, that are getting in the way of your walk and communion with the Lord, get rid of them. If the alcoholic that has been converted from, from that side of things, well, he dare not stand himself in the pub anymore. Stay away from those things, those temptations which he wasn't. That's true of a believer. A 
believe us, stay away from those things which will draw you back. Get rid of them, as it were. Live for the Lord. A truly zealous believer cannot abide with a defiled conscience. They cannot abide with a defiled conscience. I would not have one pang of conscience, as it were, for a day of, of lust or whatever. No, I cannot abide with it. That's, that's what the, the scriptures teach us. They must have a close walk with God. Whatever it costs them, what other people say about them, the name calling, as it were. Oh, you're a Puritan, you're a, you're a fanatic, you're a, a fundamentalist, whatever. You go to an extreme with your, your gospel, your doctrine. And, we've, and we've, we often hear of these things. You're fanatics, you're enthusiasts, whatever, whatever it is. But we're just obeying the words of the Lord here. Um, a truly zealous Christian will take an active interest in the salvation of souls. In the salvation of souls. It, it, it makes me so sad. It makes me so sad. When I, when, and I know that many of us here today, where we see how many churches just do, and, and believers just do not have a care for souls. And you must question, have you actually ever, have you actually ever knew of the Lord's salvation? I've met people who, who say, well, I don't need to evangelize. And, and churches don't need to evangelize. We, 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 could, we evangelize just by how we dress and how we go about our business. And yes, there is, there is how we live our lives. That's true. But, but you wouldn't you, you ever have thought, how can that person truly know the Lord? And if, if, they, and, and if they don't have a, lost, a, a, a soul for the lost, for the lost, do you know what you've been saved from? Do you, an eternity of hell. You've been saved. You're not going to be in Christ in paradise forever. Look at how much he's loved you. And some people, you think, how can you not care for the lost? And it just it makes me so sad when, when we see such disinterest in the lost, the lost souls. How, how can you know the Lord if you just have no care for the lost? And I, know, I understand there can be seasons of backsliding and, and these things, or discouragement as well. That can be another one. But, just, but truly, if you're the Lord, you will have a, a heart for the lost to see other souls being saved. And you can really tell where a man is spiritually speaking by whether they have a genuine concern for the lost. It's not just a pretense. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of that in, in our day. There's a pretense. You, you know, the, the conferences, oh, we have all these things, but do you have a love for the lost? Do you, do you, do you sincerely are, are so deeply appreciative to the Lord for saving you that you want what He has given you, you want for other people? I, I want what you, I want, want what you have. Even if you're, you've wronged me, I want, to, I want you to be saved because God has shown me the vileness of my own heart. A, a, a true zealous believer will have an active concern on how Christ is represented in, in the preaching of the gospel, to be, to be faithful, in corporate worship, in the beauty of holiness, in one's daily family life, and of course in humility and in self-denial. They will hate evil practices that they will hate false doctrines and things that God hates. They will, they will hate and they will love and live unto righteousness 
as it is in Christ. And time does not suffice for me to, to speak of, of other things that make up a, a, a spirit-filled, zealous believer. And so I'm just going to move very briefly on to our second uh, point. And, and, and lastly, and very briefly, our second point. Christian zeal must be constant. It must be a constant endeavour. Believers must be on guard about being constantly zealous for the Lord. Listen not to those who see zeal as a weakness or resort to name-calling to put you off. Don't give in to that. And the devil is so subtle, you know, and calling that person's weak. They're not as mature as some of us are. They're not, they're, you know, they're, they're fanatics. They're, they, go, they go a bit beyond what they ought to. Don't listen to them. Listen to the Lord. Listen to the, the words of the Bible. What, what if this was said of the reformers? What if this was said of the godly men and women of old? They had far less than we did and they accomplished so much more. But it's good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, always, constantly, as it were. In Leviticus 24.2, the Levites were charged to use pure oil to, to cause the lamps to burn continually. Pure oil, they were charged to use pure oil. The Holy Spirit, of course, is a picture of the oil. And the lamps were to be burning continually. And this is what a true believer is. The lamps must be burning continually. An utter dependence upon the Lord and His Spirit, to be accommodating to the Spirit, to not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is resident within a true believer's heart, and the Holy Spirit wants us to be holy and to live holy lives, to live for the Lord and the Gospel. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto the things which are, are before. Verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of high calling of God in Christ. I press towards the mark. This is urgent here. Are we pressing towards the mark? As it were, the bullseye of Christ. As it were, are we pressing others, as, as it were, towards Christ? Romans 12, 21 says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That is so profound, that, that, that text, isn't it? Be not overcome, by, overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Young people in particular, take on that, 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 that verse to your heart. If you truly want to overcome sin in your life, especially as a young person, lust, worldly ideals, Hollywood ideals, the charm, the thing of these worlds, take that book, that message, that, those words on board. Do not overcome of evil. You cannot overcome evil in your life by the, 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 the do nots. You cannot do it. It must be done by employing that which is good for living for the Lord, living for his gospel, um, having a love for the doctrines of grace, being a proper Bible reader. God is speaking to me through his word every morning. I'm praying to him earnestly. The means of grace being dedicated to the Lord's service and the, 
and a true Bible-believing church. The means of grace. Take it seriously. That's the only way in which you can live the Christian life. Is to, is to do that which is good. If you're doing that which is good, always, then it, it doesn't give you much time to fall into sin. Such a, it's a, such a good principle for young people in particular. For all of us to, to, to employ, but especially our young people. It's not enough to avoid evil. We must cry for grace to learn how to do well. Always. Always. We must frame our lives, our lives around the means of grace. God will give grace. God will give us these things if we cry to Him. In conclusion, the enemy to our souls does really hate those who would be zealous for the Lord. He hates it. He, he, he hates zealous believers. And he will raise up a host of hell, literally, raise up a host of hell to distract us from this good work in the gospel. And we, we saw that, we, we're seeing that in our recent Bible study in Joseph. Joseph, of course, uh, uh, utterly depending upon the Lord, but all these false witnesses, all these things, continually trying to push him down, but never stops him, as it were. Because the Lord was with him. Always living for the Lord. Satan will seek to bring controversy. And as we embark upon the new year, we must be mindful of his schemes. Satan will seek to bring controversy. Satan will seek to attack our loved ones. He will seek to divide and conquer. That's how you divide a united... Uh, that's how you conquer a people, by dividing them. Look at the UK, look at America, look at the West. That's what the enemy has done. Divide and conquer. He will seek to undermine the word of God wherever possible. And for all this, would we not be on guard to protect being zealous for the Lord? We must be on guard. We, we, this is a serious thing. We must take this to heart. To ensure that it is according to knowledge. That it is done for the right gospel and biblical motives. That it is done with deep Humility and contriteness of heart, and it is done constantly with a pure heart towards our Saviour. Amen.